Hey, welcome to the podcast M&A War Stories. You're joined by your hosts, Robert Heaton and Toby Tester. Each week we walk through our experiences of M&A projects where we've been involved and we unpack the good, the bad and the ugly. Our purpose is simply to leave you with valuable lessons that you can use in your M&A projects. And so let's not waste any more time and get this podcast underway. Hi, Robert. Hi. How are you going down there? We are good. Fantastic weather, blue skies, lovely warm day today. Very different from Sydney, I hear. Well, Robert, as you know, but Sydney, generally speaking, tends to be warmer and sunnier. However, I agree. The last few days have been positively shit in Sydney. Yep. But I have good news to say that it was a sunny, bright day today. How long will last for? Who knows? But uh, at least it was sunny and bright. And COVID-free. We actually went out for our very first meal out yesterday yeah. Yeah. because we've lifted restrictions now to some degree. We've had zero new cases of COVID over good the last news. 48 good hours. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a sense of getting back to normality now. You can feel it. Yeah, well, that, that, um, that is good. I know that's a bit, certainly it does contrast with the rest of the world, what's happening in Europe, the UK, oh, and the United States. Man, yeah, chalk and cheese, obviously. Yeah. Uh, no, Robert, we've been doing this podcast for a while now, and we've been exchanging stories uh, with each other and with guests as well. And uh, with this one, it, it's kind of interesting because it actually goes back to perhaps a story I spoke about right at the very beginning, and there's that whole thing about buried treasure in your backyard. And I was talking yeah. about deals at the time and how you should always, as a seller, to look for that buried treasure or find that buried treasure to make what you're selling a more attractive uh, proposition to clients, to customers, and increase the sale premium. But you've got a buried treasure story, another one that you'd like to tell. Yeah, and it's a sort of variation on your buried treasure theme from our very first podcast. I'll give you the background to it. This was a global pharmaceutical and consumer products company. They'd done a series of acquisitions over a number of years, and the new CEO was looking at that, and what he wanted to do was to consolidate everything. And so he had this view of having, shall we call them, manufacturing centers of excellence around the world and global consolidation of manufacturing. And then he also had this view of centralizing certain business services. So things like HR and payroll were centralized in one place for the entire global workforce. So I was I was part of that process. Right. And we were advising on the manufacturing consolidation across Asia Pacific. Now, that's got nothing to do with this particular story, but let me again just set the background. So this particular company, their main product lines is what we nicely refer to as feminine hygiene products. Okay. I'll, I'll say it once only, basically sanitary towels. Right. Okay. Those, right. those are sort of very highly absorbent, moisture absorbent towels. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and the manufacturing of these products, it, it was extremely high manufacturing standards. So it was not unusual to have between 40% and 60 rejects. It's kind of high, uh, to be honest. It, it was, but when you consider the risk, it, each one has to be absolutely perfect. Now, mm. the good thing about this particular company was that the product margins on those products were, were, were very high. So they could sustain high levels of reject rates. The real problem, however, 
was, I mean, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of these being manufactured. And if you've got 40% rejects, they take up a hell of a lot of space. Indeed. And the other problem is they are damn difficult to get rid of. You cannot just throw them away. Put them in a landfill, <clears throat> or could you burn them? Well, you can burn them. So, that, But that's expensive. Right. That's very expensive. That's really the only option you've got is to incinerate them and, and, and get rid of them. It was a continuous headache for the business. But it was one of those things where, to, to quote, quote a, a popular phrase right now, it is what it is, right? So uh, that was the background to the to the story. And I was there. I was busy working with the leadership team, and we were getting plans ready for consolidating manufacturing. And then this guy walked into reception one morning and asked whether the company was prepared to let him have all their rejects. Interesting that he knew that this was happening, <clears throat> that the rejects were there in terms of this uh, wastage. I don't know where he got his inside knowledge from, but who cares anyway? But there he, he's standing at reception asking if he can talk to someone. Yeah. And you can imagine the receptionist sort of going, how the hell do I deal with this, right? <laughs> By the time this message got through to the management team, there was three immediate reactions. The first one was complete disbelief. But uh, You've got to be uh, kidding me. <laughs> yeah, and as as you imagine, expectations to see someone with psychological or psychiatric problems yep. at reception. Yeah. The second reaction was intrigued, sort of like, what on earth would anybody want all yep. of our rejected feminine hygiene products for? Mm. And that immediately followed into concern because people were sort of going, oh, hang on a minute. If these products suddenly turn up on the black market yep. or in third world countries overseas, we are in deep. Who? Yeah. So finance and legal decided straight off the bat without any further conversation, no, send him, get rid of him. Yeah. Operations leadership, who were the ones that were having to deal with all of these rejects every single, were sort of going, oh, well, it's intriguing and it's, well, let's hear what he's got to say sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, finance and legal had the upper hand in the business. Uh, reception was uh, given instructions to tell this guy to take a hike and don't yep. duck in our doors again. And that would have been the end of it, except for the fact that one of the operations team was sufficiently curious enough that he intercepted the guy on the way out of the car park. Yeah. Basically said, just take a minute, what was your reasoning for wanting all of our rejected product? Right. Well, now, you, Robert, I have to ask you, you know, who would this guy, who is this guy who came into well, the building out of nowhere well, asking? That, that, it, it turned out he was an agronomist. And it, right. Just tell me what an agronomist is. It's uh, basically a scientist who deals with anything related to the agriculture industry, soil conditioning. Okay. Or, and that was, his, that was his profession. He was an agronomist. And it, it, it turns out that in farming, particularly in Australia, one of the challenges that farmers have is they want to improve soil water retention. Well, that's understandable, Australia being such a dry country and yeah. having dry soil, lack of rainfall. So I can understand that totally. And they buy water retention crystals or what they call wetting agents. Yeah. And what you do is you plough X tonne of these into so many acres in, in, in order to do that. So what this guy had done was he'd sort of gone, well, hang on a minute. These feminine hygiene products, their main function is fluid retention. And 
it turns out that he'd already completed some lab trials with the product to see if it could be ground into small particles and then mixed in with the water retention agents. Right. So let's just say if with the water retention agents as they were right now, Hmm. you got five acres per tonne coverage. With this rejected product granulized and added in, Hmm. that coverage went up to 15 acres per tonne. So, okay, you're going from five acres per tonne coverage up to 15 acres using this rejected product. Yeah, 200% improvement. 200%. Yeah, and it's a rejected product which under normal circumstances you would have to burn and mm. incinerate to get rid of. It was a problem yep. for the manufacturer. This guy had turned it into an opportunity. Right. Right. Now, this guy that had intercepted the chap in the car park, he's gone back, spoken to his other colleagues in operations. They're really keen to bring the guy back. But finance and legal were still concerned about the product going into black markets and the difficulty of the sort of contract you'd have to put together and, mm. and a whole pile of other barriers. However, this guy had actually done some homework and all those barriers were removed when a legal agreement was presented that showed that he'd covered off all of those possible objections Right, and he'd already got his own legal team to produce an agreement and showed how it would be beneficial to both parties. Right. right. And that was sufficient to get talks arranged. Okay. And at this point, he was invited back in to talk through his proposition, but finance was still a sticking point because one of the problems was, okay, what if this product leaves our site? Yeah, indeed. It can still get into the black market. Yeah, it could be, it could be mis- misappropriated. Yep. So one of the agreements was, we'll have it ground before it leaves site. Right. And, of course, finance view was, yeah, but that's extra cost, completely ignoring that it was costing them a fortune to incinerate the product in the first place. But you yeah. know, they, were just, they were just throwing barriers up. Right? Now, what QA was saying at the same time was that, well, when this product's actually in granular form, right, it's able to be compacted, and so it takes up 50% less space than the rejects in their normal form. Right. Right. And the proposed hopper and granulating machine was only going to take up two square meters of floor space anyway, and it made the reject product far easier to handle. Right. Right. So, so from an operations point of view, it's plus points all round. Yeah, I can see this. Yeah, so benefits for everyone. Yeah, and operations wanted to support their idea, so they did some research. They found hoppers and sacks that were actually used by the wool industry that were ideal for the material in granular form and the overall costs of material handling compared to when these things were in finished production form was 30% lower. Right. right. So, so you know, the whole idea at this point was that there were more plus points than there were negatives. Right. right. The illegal agreement was amended for a few finer conditions and responsibilities about packing machinery and protection warranties, as you might expect. Right. <clears throat> and you won't be surprised if I tell you that the legal document took four months to put together. <laughs> oh, dear. Four months. It sounded like a very quick conversation so far because it all makes very good sense. But so you're telling me when it came to the legal side, then that's where really things really did slow up a fair bit. Yeah, it did. And, and in, in the meantime of that, there's all these sort of, yeah, but what if and what if? And, and the last bit of this was that the visitor actually agreed to cover the cost of installing, maintaining and ensuring that 
compacting bagging equipment for the pre-granular product. Right. On the basis that once it was ground, it would be signed into his ownership free of charge. Right. Okay. So he's getting this free, this product. Yeah. Yeah. He, so, he pays for the processing, so to get it all into granular granular form, but yep. then he takes the product for free. Yeah. And this particular company get a large wastage problem taken off their hands. Storage and all the costs associated with getting rid of it, burning it or whatever, is removed. And, and the, the final piece, if you like, was that he also agreed that he would arrange for the granulated materials to be taken away almost on demand. Right? So really, that's, that's really good. So they don't have to pile it up and free up the space and he takes it away. Yeah. And, so can, it's a win on both sides. It, absolutely. So it's a win on both sides and everything was going ahead. And then all of a sudden, finance put the mockers on it again. Not because they had an objection this time, but finance sort of went, well, hang on a minute. We can buy a hopper, we can granulate it, and we can create a sideline and mm-hmm. steal this guy's idea yeah. and make money out of it ourselves. So we don't mm-hmm. need to give it to him. We'll do it. Now, the good thing about this was that the CEO shot that down within about 10 seconds. Okay. Right. Well, basically, his argument to finance was, number one, this is not our primary business focus. Hmm. We don't need to be diverting resources into granulating our rejects and yeah. and creating sales channels to sell it into farming and agriculture. His second point was, we just don't have expertise in agriculture markets. And his third point was, we'd have to recruit people to sell and market this, to increase our own. Well, overhead. yeah, exactly. I mean, look, I mean, they're just getting rid of the product. Yeah, sure enough, you could, but it's a massive opportunity cost. I mean, all the time and resource devoted to sell this sort of this wastage. Well, if the core thing, if you think about it, is this company had a really high brand image for the products that it was known for. And it knew that market and it was geared up and organized exactly for that market. Mm. So why, why on earth would you want to start buggering around with a little sideline Yes. In, in an area that you don't know, in a market that you haven't got expertise in. Yeah. You know, and that, that really, that neutralized. Indeed, indeed. Common sense. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And the CEO shut it down. That was it. So, so the deal went ahead. So uh, good, good. So the deal did go ahead. Excellent. Yeah. And, and it worked like clockwork. The equipment for granulating this stuff was installed. And so as rejects came off the production line, they went into an area of the the factory straight into the hoppers, granulized, bagged, and and stored. As soon as there was a truckload, this guy was given a call, and he would arrange for a truck to come in and pick it all up, and and, and off they go. And and it worked beautifully, right? It's, it, as you said earlier, it was a win-win all round. Yeah. The, the pharma company removed a major headache. They also removed significant costs that they were having to pay for for incinerating the product in the first place. QA clawed back a significant amount of floor space. Operations reduced their cost. And this agronomist started a business venture that, as you said, turned someone else's trash into buried treasure. And it made him several million dollars. Very good indeed. It's a very interesting story, this, Robbie, about a, about a win-win all round. But tell me something. I, it is a very much a win-win, but if you could say, well, what would be the moral? If we have a single takeaway from this, what, what would it be? 
I think the single takeaway for me on this one is you need to think outside the box because there's always buried treasure in your own backyard. What might look like a wastage and a problem can actually be an opportunity. You've just got to put your mind to it. And I think that goes back to the the story I told at the beginning, which is if you're selling a business, always look for that buried treasure or that hidden opportunity whereby you unearth this and you give it a bit of a polish and and you can actually make the business you're selling more valuable as a result and therefore get a higher premium. I've seen this done before. This story is a great story because this is one, while it's not an M&A deal in itself, it does go to that original moral of there's always buried treasure in your own backyard. And this is um, one um, great example. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. And I think the other thing, in, and you said this before, is you've got to have that courage to go and look for that buried treasure and look at it other than the the obvious of what it is. And in this yeah. scenario, this whole idea could have been scuppered right at the beginning because finance wanted to tell the guy to go sling a hook yeah. when he was standing at reception. So it took a, a brave operations person to just sort of go and intercept him in the car park. Yeah, It, it then could have faulted at numerous stages when finance and legal were saying, oh, it's too hard and what about black market? Mm. Mm. And it could have also fallen apart when finance then suddenly realized it could have been a cash generator and they wanted to do it themselves. Mm. Luckily, common sense prevailed. But yeah, it was a a classic way of seeing something in a different light, recognizing it as buried treasure, polishing it, and having the courage on both sides to turn it into a win-win. Fantastic. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Well, I must admit, Robert, that was an excellent story. Thanks very much for, for uh, telling it and telling all the listeners as well. I think it's, and it's got a great moral to it as well, which is, which is fantastic. So from my perspective, I think that's a wrap, and I'm sure it's a wrap for you as well. It certainly is, Toby, and we will be back next week with another story for M&A War Stories. And I think that's just our usual time to say bye for now. Goodbye.